Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. What's up, everybody? We are live with the Osmo, the Waiver Wire Show, the Week 8 edition. I'm your host, Matt Gajewski, on Twitter, at Matt underscore Gajewski. I'm here with Kyle Dvorak, at Kyle Tweets here. Today's show is sponsored by Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports, the most trusted name in fantasy sports. Yahoo DFS now includes CSV uploads and CSV edit features for those looking to play multiple lineups. Make better choices. Choose Yahoo Daily Fantasy. And of course, before we get started, hit that thumbs up button, subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell so you know when this and all other videos go live. Today, the waiver wire show, a couple housekeeping notes as we talk about these players. Kyle and I try to hit on the players that aren't owned in 50% of leagues. So we are looking for the players widely available across leagues. So if we miss players like Chase Evans, that just means they're owned in over 50% of leagues. So we're really trying to hit on leagues and everything that is applicable to most players. Kyle, how are we doing, man? As usual, another weird week seven in the books. We had a couple injuries to some marquee players. A marquee quarterback got benched. But maybe most importantly, superstar Michael Thomas ends up with the midweek injury missing the game. And then, you know, everybody's favorite player in the media, Antonio Brown, might make his debut this week. Well, what's going on with some of these superstar wide receivers? Yeah, so I think uh, I think does Antonio Brown have to wait one more week? He might be a week nine eligible player, I believe, because he is still serving out his suspension. I do think whenever we see him, and that doesn't even guarantee that he comes back at that time, they could still take him more time to get acclimated. So I do think whenever we see him, he simply operates as a number three. It's so weird. I can't say with any confidence what happens. I think he probably operates as a here and there number three receiver, kind of like we saw with Josh Gordon when he played in Seattle very briefly, is that he was clearly the number three receiver, but he was a vast upgrade at number three. And I know Scotty Miller actually had a really good game, probably because Mike Evans had a miserable game. It was like two or three catches. I do think he probably pushes Scotty Miller to the fringes. Maybe they could potentially try and keep him on the field in four wide sets. I wouldn't have high hopes for Antonio Brown, but that's only because I, it's it's hard to have any specific hopes, whether you think, you know, you didn't get him off waiver wires and you think he's not going to do well, or you did manage to pick him up and you think he's going to crush. I don't have a strong lead. And I don't think anyone who says they should, like you shouldn't trust those people because we just have no clue it's going to happen. So wouldn't go crazy on Antonio Brown right now. We just don't know when we're going to see him and in what capacity we'll see him. Michael Thomas is, it's weird because it was simply... 
what it was the the high ankle injury i believe was that's what it started off as and then it was a punching a teammate suspension and then now it's a hamstring injury if i have all these correct it's hard to keep track of them all at this point you're on it you're on it it's just it's just weird because usually you see one you don't see players like pull off the re-injury after like two weeks off because he essentially had the bye week and then the suspension week which is just a lot of time off and then in the middle of the week he pops up with this injury I'm not saying that it is anything other than an injury. It's just more concerning for his long-term outlook that he can't get healthy. I wouldn't say like you should go out and trade him or anything because at this point, I think this is the lowest his value is going to be, but it is a bit concerning. Maybe you look to pick up some, I I don't know, like you you have on the show sheet. I didn't know this, that uh, Deontay Harris got hurt. Manuel Sanders, I did know, obviously is on the COVID reserve list. Maybe we continue to try and go back to Traquan Smith, but I think, Mostly what this does for me, as long as Michael Thomas is out, Alvin Kamara is the head and shoulders RB1. And when he comes back, he's probably still the RB1. Yeah, I, I think so, too. I'm, you don't trade Michael Thomas at this point in the year. Like, you haven't gotten anything out of him. What are you going to get in return? You just hope he plays soon. And when he comes back, you hope he's still the same wide receiver when he has been. But let's start getting into the nuts and bolts of the show. We're talking waivers. We are going to go position by position. We're leading off with quarterback. Again, these players need to be available in at least 50% of leagues for us to mention them. And we'll start with just some players that got hurt. And in this instance, you know, Cam Newton got benched. I'm sure there's going to be some teams hitting the waiver wire this week as buys start to roll in as well. You know, teams without Newton, assuming, I mean, I'm not going back to Newton, even if he's named the starter. There's some rumors floating around that Jared Stidham might start. And then maybe some teams that were starting Andy Dalton will be looking to the waivers as well. Fortunately, it's a better week to stream some QBs compared to last week. I mean, we already have Teddy Bridgewater. He's facing Atlanta. Jimmy Garoppolo, he's facing Seattle. Kirk Cousins facing Green Bay. Those are three potential shootouts right away, and all of them are available in more than 50% of standard leagues. Is there someone you really have your eye on for this week as a streamer? I will add that uh, Newton was already named the starter again for this week, but yeah, he just looks... uh, Man, he just looks... Does it, does it even matter, frankly? So I would take guys on the waiver wire over him, Teddy Bridgewater. I think it is mind-blowing that maybe maybe that's just the state of quarterback, that with all of the incredible passing teams we have right now, a 12-team league doesn't necessarily mean you have to dip to Teddy Bridgewater. I am more than excited to dip to Teddy Bridgewater. He has two of the, probably one of the better tandem receivers or tandem of receivers in the NFL, and DJ Moore, who finally popped off last week, and Robbie Anderson, who had quiet game i believe but that's because you know there's only so much to go around if you're going to have these two guys your team is going to be running a modern nfl offense and you're going to be facing the atlanta falcons i mean this number probably climbs to 50 60 percent ownership right now we have him just under 50 it should have been there prior he's been quite accurate he hasn't been going downfield a ton but he's been accurate on short and he has guys who can rack up yak and he actually has a little bit of equity with his legs which is something we saw like way back in the day when he was healthy in Minnesota. So I think he's kind of the complete package as far as streamers go. I agree. And it's surprising for me to see him only owned in 44% of leagues. Now, Teddy Bridgewater, you mentioned his accuracy has been phenomenal. Even just last week, he completes 23 of 28 passes for just over 250 yards. And the thing I like most about Teddy Bridgewater is his receivers really complement his skill set. And you mentioned this. He's not exactly a, or a quarterback who's known for throwing the ball deep but they have DJ Moore, they have Robbie Anderson, players that can get the ball in their hands and make a lot of plays. So Teddy Bridgewater, is he's available in 56% of leagues. He's owned in quite a bit of leagues already, 
If you can get him, I think you go for it. But say Teddy Bridgewater is already owned for some of the people out there. Who would be the second guy you look to? So the second guy I'd look to, it's between Kirk Cousins and Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm going to side with Jimmy Garoppolo because outside of like the one terrible week, he's been fine. He's been good enough. He's got one of the best tight ends in the league. He's got good weapons to suit his skill set, although they probably will end up being without Debo Samuel, who's like he hasn't been ruled out yet because it's it's, it's Monday. But they did say it was like a multi-week injury. So maybe coming down a bit in that aspect. But anytime you can get a quarterback playing the Seattle defense, I think you just have to jam those in. And it is more so an, adv- an advantageous spot this season because the Seattle offense is just going guns blazing. So it forces you, in this case, it forces Jimmy Garoppolo to attempt to keep up the pace. And we've seen maybe because they're losing more, but I think this is just what happens. We've seen Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers offense pass at a higher rate than they have in years past. And yeah, it probably is because they're losing, but are they going to beat Seattle? I don't know. Probably not. That means we're going to see probably a good game from Jimmy Garoppolo or at least a volume laden game. And that's like all you can ask for off the waiver wire outside of Teddy Bridgewater, who should be owned in like every league. For sure. And I think we can't overstate the injuries that San Francisco suffered to their backfield. They are theoretically, I know Tevin Coleman, the quote was he has an outside chance to return yeah. this week. So I'm going to say Tevin Coleman probably sits there no longer for him. Jeff Wilson suffered an injury. They're going to be entering this week with Jarek McKinnon, who's primarily been a pass catching back this year an undrafted free agent to Michael hasty. I think we can reasonably consider the 49ers passing attack a sleeper this upcoming week. And just to hit on the third quarterback, we touched on a little bit. Kirk cousins, of course, they'll be facing green Bay. Green Bay really has themselves a nice defender in Jair Alexander. Unfortunately, Alexander can only cover one receiver. So Kirk Cousins still should be able to operate a little bit here. He's been completing 64.5% of his passes for 8.4 yards per attempt, which is quietly really efficient. What we worry about with Cousins is the run-heavy approach that Minnesota projects to play with in most cases, but they're going to be underdogs in this game. That leads Kirk Cousins to throw more pass attempts. Green Bay's defense as a whole outside of Jair Alexander hasn't been fantastic, and in a potential shootout, I'm more than willing to take a stab on some Kirk Cousins this week. Again, he's only owned a 29% of leagues. Outside of that, you know, I think someone we could maybe take a stab on is Tua Tagovailoa making his debut against the Rams. It, amazingly difficult matchup against the Rams, who have one of the best secondaries in football. Any chance you're going to take a stab on Tagovailoa in deep leagues? I mean, Baker Mayfield had a nice game with Odell Beckham missing most of it. Derek Carr plays the Browns. Uh, any any interest in these fringe quarterbacks? Yeah, I think of all the fringe quarterbacks for me, it would be Tua, and not because the matchup is good. It is not good. The Rams are probably one of the better defenses. I know they're top five in sacks right now. They've had a good pass coverage unit. I mean, it's all there. They're the full package of defense. But Tua Tagovailoa is the full package of a quarterback in terms of a quarterback prospect. He was incredible at Alabama, and he wasn't one of these guys who, like, the SEC turns out a lot of these, like, game manager style quarterbacks he was incredible as a yards per attempt in back-to-back seasons was like one of the best in ncaa history he also has maybe a little bit of potential with his legs i would say like potentially on that level of like kirk cousins or you know aaron Rodgers, where they're not zeros with their legs which is just important to get you a few extra points the matchup isn't great but i think of all these guys outside of you know we talk about teddy bridgewater a lot maybe you could lump like a kirk cousins in there I think he probably has the most long-term starter upside for fantasy purposes, not even just for NFL purposes, which is probably also true. I think he has the most long-term fantasy upside because we just don't know. He could come in and be Justin Herbert, and you should want a Justin Herbert on your fantasy team. So if we're looking at guys who maybe if you have extra roster spots, you play in a deep league, 
you should probably be trying to pick up some of these potential guys. We'll talk about it later, other positions too, that could add to your team in weeks 10, 11, as you get in the fantasy playoffs. Two has an outside chance of being that, whereas I don't really see a guy like Derek Carr or Daniel Jones having that potential down the stretch. I agree with you 100%. I, the Rams are tough, but Tua is a play more for the future because we don't know what he is. Like, if he's one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL right away, as he was drafted to be, great. You pick him up now and you feel really good about it if you have the room. Otherwise, you, I mean, Fitzpatrick was also quietly pretty efficient in this Miami Dolphins offense. So that's the reason why I like Tua Tagovailoa. But still, I would rank him fourth on overall quarterback rankings. For me, it's going to be Bridgewater, Garoppolo, Cousins as the top three options for streamers. Any difference there for you? No, I agree. And it's just the problem with Tua. I don't know if this week he's a guy you want to play. And I know they'll face they'll face Kansas City at one point. They also face New England. So there are some tough matchups on the horizon. You're not maybe playing him every single week. You're certainly not trying to play him this week if you have an option. And as much as I do like the long-term outlook of him in terms of you know the fantasy playoffs or whatever, I still need points this week. And the guys you mentioned in that order give me those points. For sure. Listen, guys, there's a lot of free and awesome stuff going on at Osmo.com. Free content every single day. And check this out. We had two Millie Maker winning lineups, both DraftKings and FanDuel Osmo subs won the million-dollar prize. So for free NFL content, we have NFL showdown projections. There's another Millie Maker tonight. You can get your chance at that million-dollar prize. Check out the free showdown projections. We also have the pumpkin promo. Get Osmo Plus Weekly Platinum Pass for 1031 when you use promo code PUMPKIN at checkout. That's nearly $20 off the original price. This package includes full access to Osmo Plus features, including player projections, ownership projections, and our premium Slack channel, lineup builder, and much more. This offer is valid through Halloween, of course, hence the promo promo code PUMPKIN. So make sure to check that out. Get access to all these award-winning tools that Alex Baker himself creates, leading people to million-dollar prize pools. Unfortunately, it wasn't me, Kyle, but that's what we played tonight for. Moving to the running back position. Every single week, Kyle, we are just running into so, so many injuries. This week, Kenyon Drake, Chris Carson, Jeff Wilson, Philip Lindsay, Devontae Freeman, and then the week prior, Dalvin Cook, he was just on a bye. He was injured. Mark Ingram just had a bye. He was also injured. What do we do with running back, man? I mean, like, it's getting absolutely ridiculous the number of injuries we're sustaining. Yeah, I think we should be making it a priority to just stash guys who have, like, a modicum of potential value. J.D. McKissick is one that I've kind of railed on the past few weeks because of the role he's seeing. I know Gibson broke out, so maybe he kind of falls down that list a little bit. But I think, like, Jarek McKinnon early in the season was another great example where, like, if you can squeeze out a few PPR points, if you can get like Zach Moss would be an example of, I don't know if he ever takes over this backfield. You get a few catches, you can get some goal line work. You should have your bench loaded with, or at least attempt to load your bench with guys who could in the event of an injury, step in and give you modest value. Chase Edmonds. I mean, he's obviously the number one pickup if he's available this week, but we've talked about him for every, like every week since like week one or two, we've said like, if you need some PPR points, Chase Edmonds is around and he gives you a little upside on the off chance something, you know, were to happen. You should have picked them up. And I think there are maybe some spots we could look to this week where you do get that future potential and some small amount of value right now that like, you know, eight, eight PPR points might be enough to get the job done the way running back is shaping up. For sure. Running back has gotten really gross. And so it's Monday morning. We don't have a lot of the news on Kenyon Drake, Chris Carson yet. We don't know the severity or the long-term duration of these injuries but again chase Edmonds is owned in 62 percent of leagues we're only mentioning chase Edmonds because he's 
to me, far and away the number one waiver claim if he's available. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. Just okay. completely. We've seen his role as a pass catcher, and then he'll take on that role as a runner on a team that is capable of putting up points. There's no two ways around. He is the best pickup if he's available. And he's not like owned in 90% of leagues. We have him owned in Yahoo 62% of leagues. You should like, you should at least check. It's worth checking on. One player that we need to walk back a little bit. You and I were not interested in this guy last week is Jermichael Hasty. And now I think for good reason, we reasonably expected Jarek McKinnon, who had played a bell cow role in a similar circumstance earlier in the year. He was just relegated to a change of pace timeshare back. And they decided to run out Jeff Wilson as the main runner. And Jeff Wilson looked phenomenal. Unfortunately, Jeff Wilson goes down with an injury and they're calling it an ankle sprain. Another situation. We don't know the time length of his absence. Now, Jermichael Hasty is only owned in 21% of Yahoo leagues. He was actually added by a bunch of teams and then redropped when Jeff Wilson was active. Are you going back to Jermichael Hasty on the waiver wire this week? Yeah, I think you said it. I don't think we were maybe too far off. Jeff Wilson came out as the like clear-cut RB1 and, and got hurt. So I don't think the plan was to use Jermichael Hasty. Plans change. Now they're probably going to have to use Jermichael Hasty. And we saw last week, actually, there was a quote. I, I don't I don't have the quote exactly, but it was something like they just wanted to give Jarek McKinnon a break after playing this on and off bell cow role for a few weeks with so many of the running backs getting hurt. I don't think that is an indication of how they want to use him in an ideal world. They just know that they need to give their guys some breaks, especially with like the injury history of Jarek McKinnon and his, his like a small, mostly pass catching style back. So I think this is pretty much a split backfield going forward. But if you can find the split of a backfield on the waiver wire, you should do that. And Jamichael Hasty will probably be that. So for that reason, I would imagine he ends up being the best running back pickup this week. If you're going to get half of the running back carries and a target or two in the Kyle Shanahan backfield, like you definitely take that. I agree. I think there's a couple other runners who might see increased workload, depending on the length of the injuries we're expected to see. Of course, Chris Carson suffers the foot injury that puts Carlos Hyde potentially into play. I don't think Carlos Hyde sees pass game work, which is the problem with him. I also think Wayne Gallman, who surprisingly to me played over Deion Lewis once Devontae Freeman got injured, could be somebody we look to on the waiver wire. Carlos Hyde is owned in 19% of leagues. Wayne Gallman is only owned in 2%. He's available in 98% of leagues. How do you rank these two? Yeah, I think I would probably, I think I'm actually going to go with, uh, Carlos Hyde here because yes, the, the receiving game won't be there. And I guess this all depends on the, the lack of injury information right now. If we get more injury information that Chris Carson is going to be out less than two weeks, you probably can just take Carlos Hyde as a one-off flyer. So I would say right now, Carlos Hyde, because he plays on such an electric offense that yeah, not getting a ton of receiving work, probably not getting much at all. Isn't great. I do think Travis Homer and even DJ Dallas to an extent basically render him as a one to two target guy going forward. But if he's going to get the majority of the carries on a Russell Wilson offense, like I think that is probably the touchdown potential of that is more valuable than Wayne Gallman, who could play a larger role in the context of his offense. But zooming out, like I don't want to be targeting the Giants offense. So I'm going to take lesser touches, but what I believe will be more valuable touches in Carlos Hyde. But I think that is all within the context of not knowing how long Chris Carson is out. If he's not out for long, just take the more starts you can bank with a guy like Wayne Gallman. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And interestingly, Seattle deployed Carlos Hyde a little bit as a receiver among runners. He actually led the team in targets. We're talking four targets for Carlos Hyde, two for Chris Carson before his departure. No other running backs had a target. So that was interesting to me as far as raw carries, Carlos Hyde obviously out carried Travis Homer 15 to three. And we did not see DJ Dallas really work his way in there. Excuse me, DJ Dallas 
he had three targets. I'm seeing just a little bit lower on my spreadsheet. So Carlos Hyde still out-targeted him four to three as well. So at least noteworthy there. Wayne Gallman, I think we still have to be concerned with the offense for New York as well. I mean, Saquon Barkley wasn't finding many running lanes (laughs) in this New York Giants offense. So I think I'm with you. I slightly prefer Carlos Hyde, but it's close. I think Wayne Gallman might have more long-term value. Outside of that, we don't have a lot of running backs seeing immediate bell cow opportunity. There's some guys in some timeshares. Joshua Kelly still only owned in 43% of leagues. Frank Gore, 29%. You know, Malcolm Brown, 20 And then as we go down the list, LaMichael Pirine, 16%. I think Gus Edwards at 7% is a little bit interesting. Anyone more as a fringe waiver wire claim that you have your eye on? Yeah, I mean, if the guy is under 50%, Joshua Kelly is probably still going to be operating every other week as a 1A or 1B in this backfield. I, I'm not sure how much pass-catching equity he brings to the table, but it's another offense, maybe not quite as good as Seattle's, but it's another offense that we want to be targeting, and they're actually more of a, a run-heavy offense, and they run fast. So a lot of plays, a lot of runs. Will he see all of them? Almost certainly not, but I think he's worth worth considering. I think he could be another Chase Edmonds-style back where – he has enough volume on the week that if you're banged up by injuries, you're okay with starting him. Michael Pirine, not like completely uninteresting. He was a really good pass catching back out of Florida, I believe. And on a team that is just going to lose every single game, just lose and lose and lose. Being a pass catching back might be valuable, specifically because they were also without James. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Crowder, we imagine he comes back in the next week or two, but still, they were without Jameson Crowder. They've had, like, Rashad Perriman get hurt. Jeff Smith has gotten targets for them. Like that is a Madden creative player name. That's not a real man, Jeff Smith. So if they're going to be so banged up at all parts of their of their offense, I think maybe we see a little more like La- La- Michael P. Ryan. He's a good, good enough ad in PPR leagues. I think so too. You just wish he didn't play for the Jets. I'm interested yeah. in some some fringe guys like Tony Pollard's actually siphoning more work off from Zeke Elliott than I ever mm-hmm. expected. Um, if anyone gets hurt in Baltimore's offense, I'm very interested in the runner, which is why Gus Edwards is someone I'll have my eye on. ownership here. I think you could even look to Jeff Wilson, who's only 6% owned in these leagues. We're concerned with the injury, but maybe it's a one to two week variety and he could have some usable weeks for you. If we're in the JD McKissick kind of range, like Naheem Hines is only owned at 29% of leagues. He's someone you could probably flex if you've just been decimated with injuries. Yeah. Something to consider there. So just to kind of recap the position, first and foremost, if Chase Edmonds is available, he's number one. He's owned in most leagues already, 62% owned. If he's gone, I would rank them Jamichael Hasty one, Carlos Hyde two, Wayne Gallman three. How would you rank those top three, or would anyone else get into those ranks? Yeah, I completely agree. I think Wayne Gallman, Carlos Hyde is close, but I'll take what I believe to be the the more valuable touches, even if there are potentially less of them. And you did you did say he he got some work as a pass catcher. He's had four targets. I think it was like his final season in maybe San Francisco where he actually got a ton of work as a pass catcher. He's like probably fine enough in that role. He's not good, but he's not like out there brick hands, Ronald Jones and not as zero as a pass blocker. So potentially some upside as a pass catcher, but really I'm just shooting for touchdowns with him. 
For sure. I agree with your ranking entirely. I do think the touchdown upside for Hyde is there. Listen, guys, we have a bunch of great tools at Awesome Plus. You can get access to all of them and content for nearly every DFS sport out there with an Awesome Plus weekly pass for $29.95. This includes full access to all of the premium content and tools on Awesome.com, including player projections, ownership projections, our premium Slack channel, and much more. Only looking to play NFL? Then sign up for our NFL weekly package for only $14.95 and give our NFL Express weekly pass a shot for just $3.95. Stop guessing, start winning, join Osmo Plus today. As we move to wide receiver, Kyle, usually a position not as ravaged by injuries. We saw some unfortunate situations occur. The first and foremost one we need to discuss is Odell Beckham tearing his ACL. Hadn't had the season maybe a lot of people expected or really a career in Cleveland that a lot of people expected, but still terrible to see one of the best young receivers in the NFL go down with a torn ACL. A couple of others that left games, Deontay Johnson, he reportedly will be okay. There was more players speak. We'll see how he actually is. Debo Samuel and Marcus Callaway, who emerged in that New Orleans offense in the absence of Emmanuel Sanders and Michael Thomas. He had a very nice game before getting banged up really late in the week. What are you making of those injury situations and anyone you particularly have your eye on as a replacement? Yeah, so I think as of last night, I checked and Brandon Ayuk is available in just over half of league. So with Debo Samuel potentially missing a few weeks, he could step into that role. He also maybe brings a little bit of that, like Robert Woods, one rush a game potential with Odo Beckham. I mean, it was, it was the Richard Higgins show. He went, I believe six for six on his targets, ended up going for 110 yards and set up, if not one, but potentially both of like the game winning or necessary for the game winning scores for the Browns. He looks like he's just going to step into that Odo Beckham role. And will he be as, as fantasy viable as Odo Beckham? Probably not, but I don't think if you're going to get, you know, 20 to 25% of the air yards at least, potentially 20% target share, sure, the Browns offense isn't maybe the most exciting to target the pass catchers in, but if he's going to play a large portion of the Odell Beckham role, he's probably one of the more interesting pickups this week, specifically as it relates to the injury news, because Deontay Johnson, I don't think you're getting any Chase Claypool or any Judy Smith-Schuster. Debo Samuel, I think mostly what happens is we see some more Brandon Ayuk probably just see so much George Kittle. And that doesn't really affect your, you know, your waiver wire decisions very much. Yeah, I agree. The, the waiver wire is pretty interesting to me this week. I, I do like Ayuk. I think he just walks into a larger target share. He's only owned in 48% of leagues, as you mentioned. A couple other players that, I mean, have reemerged a little bit. Sterling Shepard comes back from injury. He sees eight targets in his, his second debut of the year after, you know, he missed, he was on short-term injured reserve there. He's only owned in 28% of leagues. It's a terrible offense but I think we can bank on some target volume. Marvin Jones has owned in exactly 50% of leagues. He reemerged a little bit last week. Thank goodness for that. I think he's someone that we could look to, to add. You're going to have to talk me into Nelson Aguilar. Like, I don't know what Las Vegas is doing. And I thought they were going to use Henry Ruggs downfield, but apparently it's the Nelson Aguilar show. He's only owned in 3% of leagues. You can get him in 97% of standard fantasy leagues. Are you interested? Uh, no, I would take like Rashard Higgins over him. I would take Marvin Jones, only available in half leagues, and the same with Brandon Ayuk, just about half. I would take those guys over him. Uh, we have another guy on here that I have a little bit of interest in. Darnell Mooney is like a, a burner who's on the field, basically is the number two receiver for Chicago. I know like a lot of Yahoo leagues let you cut players who have played. So if you had some player that's not very useful, you could potentially pick up Mooney before tonight's game. If not, I still think as the number two receiver on the fourth most pass-heavy offense in the NFL – 
Darnell Mooney, he's worth considering, and I would still take him over Nelson Aguilar. Maybe I am just too anchored on our prior of Philadelphia Nelson Aguilar, but I just it's going to take like 10 games before I actually buy into Nelson Aguilar being a thing. And if on the 10th game, you know, we see if we see Henry Ruggs go out and get five targets, I'd be like, well, it's gonna be Henry Ruggs season. So I'm I'm simply just not going to buy into Nelson Aguilar. You can't make me do it. I won't talk you into it. And you certainly can't talk me into it. I agree with you. I do not think Nelson Aguilar is a fantastic player. There's a chance he was maybe miscast in Philadelphia. I don't think there's a strong chance. I also don't like the fact that they're only running Henry Ruggs on go routes, and it's not Derek Carr's skill. So I wish they would manufacture some touches for their first-round pick. But I think we need to at least mention that Nelson Aguilar had nine targets. Like, he tied Darren Waller for a team leading nine targets, whereas, you know, our guy, Henry Ruggs, had three I don't understand this discrepancy, but it's something we need to monitor going forward. I think in deep leagues, Nelson Aguilar is worth a speculative ad, but I don't feel confident. As far as some other players on the waiver wire, there is one speculative ad I'm really interested in, and it's Alan Lazard. He had about a one-week, excuse me, a one-month injury timetable for his recovery. Now he's approaching that, and Marcus Valdez-Scantling has been horrible. Alan Lazard is available in nearly 70% of leagues. Are you interested in him? Yeah, I think, like you said, man, Marquez Valdez-Scantling has cost me a lot of DFS lineups because he has just been unable to capitalize on any of his volume. I think last week, all he did was have nine rushing yards. It seems like if you have Marquez Valdez-Scantling, I was, I was saying, hold, hold, hold. At this point, I think there are enough guys, you know, your Brandon Ayukes, your probably, probably Marvin Jones, if you can get him, even Alan Lazard at this point, who you can take these guys over him. You're getting as much if not more volume and he's actually like the guy like sterling shepherd another guy eight targets owned in less than a third of leagues you're getting as much volume if not more volume in terms of targets and sterling shepherd's probably just better so i think alan Lazard is a decent speculative ad i do think though it only only helps teams that can really afford to hold these like back of the roster guys so specifically in like deeper leagues you just have to know that you're probably holding some zeros for i don't know another potentially week or more and then do you play him the first week he comes back Maybe if you really need to, but that wouldn't be my preferred choice. So I think he's he's sort of uh, the rich get richer situation. If you can afford to hold Alan Lazard, you're probably in a good place, but he probably does put you in a better place for weeks, you know, 10, 11, 12. For sure. One other player in that situation, Jalen Rieger, was activated off injured reserve. He'll make his debut in the coming weeks. I don't know how efficient they're going to be. They did just lose Deshaun Jackson. So Jalen Rieger should walk into some immediate opportunity there. Some other receivers widely available on waivers. Um, LaVisca Chenault, not a huge upside guy this year, as we've seen probably without an injury. He's only owned in 38% of leagues, maybe worth a spot start in some very deep leagues. Michael Harbin has immense upside in Kansas City, and that was probably depressed by playing in a snowy game this past week. Now, as we get down the list, Gabriel Davis, oh, available 97% of leagues. Maybe if the John Brown injury sticks and he's out another game, you could look to him. But ultimately, on the waiver wire, I'm going to try to prioritize Ayuk if I can. Again, available in 52% of leagues. After Ayuk, who's my number one receiver pickup, it's going to be Sterling Shepard. I don't feel great about him, but the target volume should be there. Marvin Jones, same thing. It was nice to see him. And then after that, if I'm a contender... I want to get someone like Lazard. If I need immediate opportunity, it's going to be Aguilar, and that's how I'm going to differentiate those two. How does the waiver wire end up shaking out for you at wide receiver? Yeah, the only name I would throw in potentially like over an Aguilar, I think you could, if you need immediate production, even argue him over Alan Lazard, is LaVisca Chanel. You brought him up. We're not getting a ton of upside at this point. The way he's used is quite disappointing because he's incredibly athletic, but they're only using him as like a, a yak guy. 
And on this offense, that probably just isn't enough. But up until last week, he had a streak of, what is it, uh, 12, 20, 27 targets in four games. That's pretty good. He'll give you some PPR value. It kind of reminds me of like the Chase Edmonds of wide receivers, as we talked about in previous weeks, or maybe now we could call him the J.D. McKissick of wide receivers, where like if you need some PPR points, I think he he's solid. And this offense hasn't looked terrible. Jags offense has been fine. So Liska Chenault, I think I would prioritize him ahead of Nelson Aguilar. I'm not point chasing Nelson Aguilar, and he can't make me do it. And if you need points now, you probably also prioritize him over Al Lazard. But I agree. Ayuk one, Sterling Shepard two, and if Marvin Jones is available, it's unlikely, but if he's available, three. I think that's a good list. Let's move on to tight end. I don't think there's a ton here. It's pretty much the same story we've discussed over the last couple of weeks. I guess the big news with tight end was was Austin Hooper's appendicitis, and then people kind of jumped their gun and went for David Njoku. Turns out it's it's Harrison Bryant who's going to be the tight end in Hooper's absence in Cleveland. And I think there's there's probably some interest in Harrison Bryant. He's basically unowned across leagues. I think you can look to Harrison Bryant. As far as ranking the pickups, I have a hard time with this position. I mean, Richard Rodgers walks into immediate opportunity in Philadelphia. They played on Thursday, of course, so he drew... I mean, in some leagues, you're allowed to pick guys up just whenever. He, so he's 8% owned. He was essentially unowned prior to that. Two weeks ago, we saw the Colts tight ends, especially Trey Burton, come up for a big game. Do you have a strong lean one way or another on any of, the, any of these tight ends? Yeah, I don't hate Harrison Bryant. Like, the team seems just completely done with David Njoku. I know he has supposedly requested a trade. I Like, he's a former first-round pick, and they just don't seem to care. They're only getting him in as a backup tight end, regardless of who their starter is. So yeah, Harrison Bryant goes out and scores twice. Maybe that's like a ceiling game for him. But without Odell Beckham, I don't think, you know, Rashard Higgins takes the entirety of that role. I do think those targets have to go somewhere. Jarvis Landry wasn't doing much. He's doing almost as much as a runner because he got a nice first down on jet sweep. So Harrison Bryant, probably not a bad pickup. It's not the ideal offense to target, but there aren't a lot of great targets right now on the waiver wire. We have one that I'm, I mean, I get it. Dallas Goddard owned in less than 50% of leagues. Not many teams can afford to continue to hold zeros on their bench just to get a good tight end to come back in, you know, five, six, seven weeks, whenever it was from when he went out. I get that, and I understand why he's owned in less than 50% of leagues now. But Dallas Goddard was by far and away, like, the best receiving threat. He was leading the team before he got injured in, I believe, every receiving category. Targets, catches, yards. He was the best receiving threat they had, and it wasn't particularly close. Maybe you can argue, you know, he comes back to an offense with Travis Fulgham, but it'll also come back to an offense without without Zach Ertz. And Zach Ertz was terrible anyways. He was so bad. He was like four yards per target up until he got injured. I don't even know if Zach Ertz gets healthy if they don't just keep him as the number, clearly the number two receiver or number two tight end to Dallas Goddard. So I think if Dallas Goddard is available, at this point, you have waited long enough. You can hold him for one or two more zeros. I get why you cut him in the beginning, and I get why you haven't added him since. But now he's available in over 50% of leagues. He's probably coming back within the next few weeks. He is probably a tight end one, and at that could be a top five tight end for the rest of the season from the time he comes back. So maybe not the most immediate production, but I think long-term Dallas Goddard is just a smash. And he's available in over half a leagues. I agree with you. And you mentioned all the concerns. It's just how many zeros can you take? I think there's not a single tight end on this list that's going to be a tight end one, at least a weekly tight end one. And we know what Dallas Goddard can do. You know, I love Harrison Bryant short term. I don't think he's going to be a tight end one long term. I don't think Richard Rodgers is going to be a tight end one. Even, you know, Jack Doyle and Trey Burton, who I want to get your take on. This is a nice little dichotomy between the two Colts tight ends. I don't see either of them being a tight end one for you the rest of the way. 
Do you have a take on the Colts tight ends? I personally tend to lean Jack Doyle as I have in the past because he runs more routes than, you know, a guy like Trey Burton. And we saw this in the past with Eric Ebron as well, but give me your take. Yeah, I, I kind of fall in line with you where you will get tight end one weeks individually from guys like Trey Burton who scored two times last time we saw him. But are you going to get that consistently? Probably not because these are like committee tight ends. I would rather look to a guy like Harrison Bryant, who although maybe plays like you could argue he'll see like less targets than Jack Doyle. He's younger, he's more athletic, and he's going to see a higher market share of the targets. And he's not going to be siphoned off by a backup like David Njoku will just work in in two tight end sets for the most part. As long as Austin Hooper is out, Harrison Bryant will be a tight end one on his own team. You're going to have a committee operation between Jack Doyle and, and Trey Burton. And then what happens when Malachi Cox comes back? So all of these guys, I think, pale in comparison to Harrison Bryant, who in his own right is like a fringe tight end one, tight end two. And that's more of an indictment on the tight end position this year than it is any ringing endorsement of Bryant. Yeah, I think if you're desperate for tight ends, maybe you're an Evan Ingram owner or you've been rostering Dalton Schultz through the DAC run. I think you should look to the waiver wire for some of these guys. And if I'm going to sum it up for me, not knowing how long Hooper's going to be out with appendicitis, I would put Harrison Bryant number one. Richard Rodgers would be number two for me just based on available opportunity in Philly right now. Eventually, we will see Goddard return and probably Ertz as well. But for the moment, Richard Rodgers too. And then from there, I like Jack Doyle and Irv Smith is three and four. Irv Smith is quietly emerging as the tight end in Minnesota. We don't need to spend a lot of time on him, but how would you rank the tight ends available? Yeah, Harrison Bryant won. Maybe because I'm I'm excited about Dallas Goddard coming back at some point. I would probably say Irv Smith closer to two or three for me. And then Richard, yeah, I'll say Irv Smith two, Richard Rogers three, and then the Colts tight ends four and five, but kind of a distant four and five because I don't have a ton of a ton of interest in these guys. Dallas Goddard, I think, is is so hard to rank because it really just depends in what capacity you can hold him. Like there are leagues where I play in where our bench is like four or five spots. I'm not sure if that is like uh like a strategic design or maybe just an oversight but regardless like i'm not holding any zeros on my bench i need all of these guys on my bench so dallas goddard doesn't make the cut there but if you have a deep bench he kind of jumps up to maybe like two or three agreed agreed he's a potential tight end one when he returns moving over to defense defense is getting a little bit scarce on the waiver wire it's one of those weeks where most of the defenses in great spots are already rostered so i think we're primarily trying to target teams with weak offensive lines you know teams that project to trail situations like that. So a couple I have on the list, Cleveland's facing Las Vegas. They're owned in 50% of leagues. I don't love Cleveland as an individual defense, aside from the fact that they generate a lot of pressure. So that's a reason I would maybe take a look at them against Vegas. Derek Carr has historically struggled against some pressure. Dallas's defense has been horrible, but for what it's worth, they're starting to return some players. So Leighton Van Der Esch, he's returned. They're slated to return Sean Lee this week, and they'll continue to get healthier. They face a Philadelphia Eagles team that has one of the most banged up offensive lines in football. So Dallas only owned in 32% of leagues would be somewhere I look. Any interest for you in those defenses and maybe some others on the waiver wire? Yeah, Cleveland, probably the defense you can find with the most talent on the waiver wire. But the Las Vegas offense has actually been decent this year. I mean, Derek Carr has been kind of like good game manager efficient, not just like eh, game manager. He's been he's been pretty good. So I would say maybe look to Dallas more just because like the rate of turnovers Carson Wentz is throwing and the sacks heading into this week. Team was 32nd in sacks taken, or I guess it would be the most sacks taken, the worst in the NFL. Carson Wentz takes a ton of sacks. He throws interceptions. I know the defense in Dallas, even if they're getting healthy, is probably still lacking a lot of talent. I don't care. Like Carson Wentz is going to throw interceptions regardless of what corners he's throwing them to. 
I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's a pretty bleak waiver wire defense streamer week. So those would be the top ones outside of that. Again, just really trying to target big favor, big favorites, maybe some teams that are going to be against, you know, opposing teams throwing the ball a lot or have offensive line weaknesses. As we close out the show here, close out the show here, we've been talking about some players that people might be interested in dropping. I think, you know, maybe we jumped the gun on Juju Smith-Schuster a little bit, but I was not expecting him to see double-digit targets. But there's still some players that have continued to disappoint. I think we now need to start having the conversation about Cam Newton, whether he is drop-worthy. Evan Ingram's another player who just, despite the target volume, can't seem to get it together. Same with T.Y. Hilton. And a, a guy like Michael Gallup, for me, it's more about what does this offense look like with Ben DiNucci now playing quarterback? Andy Dalton suffered a brutal concussion. So those are a few I would consider dropping if you if you need production now. And there's some of the players we mentioned on your waiver wire, Chase Edmonds, you know, Marvin Jones, and you need a player now. That's something I would consider doing. Anyone you're particularly interested in just dropping at this point? Yeah, Ingram and Newton kind of fill that bill because we're so comfortable going to the waiver wire and we think there are decent options, especially with like Harrison Bryant being available in every league with Teddy Bridgewater in over half of leagues and some good matchups for Garoppolo and Kirk Cousins. Like Cam Newton, Evan Ingram, if you can find better streaming options, which in most leagues there could be one or two, like just take the points. Like there's uh, no reason to be so attached to a guy like Evan Ingram. I get you spend a lot of draft capital on him, but he's not giving you the points in return, whereas Harrison Bryant might actually do that. So both of these guys, I think there are streaming options in a majority of leagues that will be better than them. Makes sense. Well, thank you guys for tuning in today. Of course, stay put with the awesome YouTube channel. We have content all day long. Check out the podcast network. If you miss any of our shows live, it is a great way to just check out anything. You're not available live during the shows available anywhere. You are getting your podcast. Of course, I am Matt Gajeski on Twitter at Matt underscore Gajeski. And he is Kyle Dvorak at Kyle Dvorak. Hit that thumbs up button on the way out. We will be back again next week. Same time, same place. Good luck, guys. 